Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for your love. Um, and we thank you that you are sovereign and you're good. And because of these things, we know that we can come to you <clears throat> rejoicing and thanking you for all the good that you give us. For all good things comes from your hand. As well as to be able to pray to you for comfort uh, and for us to know your sovereign presence, even in the bad things of life, uh, which you allow to happen uh, because of the brokenness of this world that sin has made. So we do want to come to you with rejoicing and thanksgiving for the joys of uh, finishing things, being able to uh, achieve uh, and, and learn. And we, we pray that the students will have gained much from the academic year. And for those who are graduating from high school or uni, that you'll take them into the next phase of life and help them to use all that they've learned for your glory and for the good of the people and the businesses and the organizations that they serve. Uh, we pray too uh, for the holidays to be a good period of rest um, as well as a time to continue to strive to seek to live a godly life uh, in the holidays. We thank you too as a community we can share each other's burdens and griefs and pains. And we know that life is full of those and now it, uh, for Kathy and her family, the grief of loss. And we pray that we as a community can, can know how to support and encourage them. We, we thank you that you are more than able to support and encourage Kathy and her family on your own. And we thank you that you also choose to use us as part of how you comfort uh, each other. We thank you that uh, Kathy's mom um, trusted in you and with this hope um, that Kathy's grief is not without hope. I pray that the rest of the family uh, will come to know of the same hope that Kathy and her mom had in the Lord Jesus um, and that they will come to know him as well. We uh, want to continue to pray for our time together this morning, uh, praying that you will work in and through us by your powerful Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just going to have a very short break now as per our custom. Uh, we have uh, quite a bit to get through in this topic. And I would love for you guys to be firing on all cylinders. So if you could say hello to people around you, get up, do some jumping jacks to get the blood, the blood flowing, and then sit back down. Uh, we're going to go in for a pretty uh, wild ride for 40 minutes as we dig into this topic. Okay? So one minute, get up, say hello, stretch, get the blood flowing, and we're going to get into it. last chance to have that stretch. I'd love for you to be as alert and attentive and energetic as you can be, because this is a great topic we're going to get into. All right? Okay, let's come back together. Uh, sorry to break you up so soon, but do continue your chats uh, over lunch uh, and into the afternoon. Uh, for now, we uh, have very important words from God to hear. Uh, so let me pray one more time for us as we come uh, to his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your wisdom and grace you reveal yourself to us through your holy word, and we thank you for the God that you reveal yourself to be. And we pray that uh, all of who you are, and especially this morning on the Holy Spirit, you will help us to fully know and understand and appreciate and be in awe and give you the worship that you deserve. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, as all of you know, and as some of you have come to know today, we are in the middle of the series on the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed is there to uh, give us statements uh, that are true to the foundations of the Christian faith. Uh, and today, with the topic we're looking at, the, the statement uh, that is said is that uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, I've never met a, a Christian in my whole life that doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. Right? It does not seem to be something that we debate or dispute. It was something that was debated a little bit in the first maybe 100 years of the Christian faith. But I don't know anyone who doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. But what I do know is that we have a problem when it comes to the Holy Spirit as to what we actually know about the Holy Spirit. For it seems that with the Holy Spirit has come with a lot of disputes among Christians and a lot of fights and a lot of division. And so the question has to be asked, when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, what exactly do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Now, so if I have to ask you, uh, think about the Holy Spirit in your mind, right? What comes to your mind as I say that? I have to think about it. And maybe some of you here at the moment are drawing a blank. Right? Not much is coming in. Maybe because you're tired from the exams having passed, or maybe you're generally like that. I don't know, right? But maybe it's, a, it, it's not much coming there, right? Because when we think about God, we, we tend to think about the Father, Right, we think of the Father, he's like the big boss, right? God is God the Father, he's the creator, the mighty one sitting on his throne. It's kind of a spirit, but we kind of have this visualization that he's the big guy. When it comes to the Son, pretty easy, right? Because the Son is revealed to us in Jesus. We can visualize a person, hopefully not a Brad Pitt-looking Jesus, but more of a Middle Eastern man, because that's where he's from. And we can kind of visualize his life on earth as he interacted with people, and did miracles, as he dies on the cross, as he ascends back into heaven, we can visualize Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I don't know, maybe for some of us, it's just this hazy vagueness. Right? Well, is it a he or, or is it a he or an it? Is it a substance or a force or some kind of idea? Right? We, the Holy Spirit is hard to grasp at for some of us, isn't it? For some of us, the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Maybe for some of us, right? It's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Maybe that's, one, uh, maybe that's, that's us. We, we, we neglect the Holy Spirit in the day-to-day life. We're unaware of Him, really. We don't talk about Him, and He doesn't come to mind in our day-to-day lives. Now, the others of us maybe are those who got no idea what I'm talking about. Of course they can visualize the Holy Spirit. Right? We, you are the ones that associate the Spirit, the spirit, the spirit with spirituality, right? with, with divine presence, with mysterious workings, with signs and wonders, and, and, and tongues and healings and prophecy. You know, when you visualize the Holy Spirit, you kind of think, well, the Father and the Son, they do the straight Bible stuff, but the Spirit takes us to the next level, right? And, and you kind of think to yourself, how can you not think about the Holy Spirit? The, the, the Christian life and the Christian experience is all about drawing closer to the Spirit and having more Spirit anointing and impact in our lives. For some of us, the Holy Spirit is everything when it comes to being a Christian. Isn't a Christian life about pursuing His presence and His manifestations in our life and in our church? Now, where do you stand when it comes to the Spirit? Are you, on the one hand, maybe those who know the Spirit but know very little about the Spirit, and what little you know, you neglect. Or the lot that you know, you neglect. Or are you someone who knows the Spirit and you anoint Him with the pride of place in the Christian life and experience? Is He nothing or is He everything? 
Or are you somewhere in between? Where are you when it comes to your belief in the Holy Spirit? Now, what we're going to see in God's Word today is two points. One is to do with His nature, and the other is to do with His work. The first point is that the Holy Spirit in nature is fully God, equal with the Father and the Son. And as fully God, He is to be known and worshipped. The second thing we're going to see today is that the Holy Spirit in His work is that He is in complete harmony with the Father and the Son. Complete harmony with the Father and the Son. Yet, the Holy Spirit always takes a background role in the work of the Trinity. Right? In harmony with the Father and Son in all that He does, but always takes the background role in the work of the Trinity. All right, point one, right? Oh, point two on the, on the outline. The nature of the Holy Spirit. Now, the doctrine of the, the Trinity, which uh, Steve mentioned to us uh, early in the service, the doctrine of the Trinity is a key and core Christian teaching. And it says that the Bible, Christianity, teaches that there is only one, one and only one true God, but that this God is not simple but complex, existing as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? One God in three persons. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. Now, this teaching didn't come about because some fella decides to be clever, right? or wanting to be sophisticated or complicated. This teaching came about because when you read the Bible from beginning to end, you start to realize that the Bible clearly teaches that there is one God, but there's this complexity to God. He's revealed to us as having three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's because we're trying to be faithful to the Word of God, that's why we talk about the Trinity. Now, I'm not going to have a whole sermon on the Trinity. That would take a long, long time to preach through. But what I'm going to do is to focus in and hone in on the Holy Spirit to show you from the New Testament that He is definitely fully God. And as, someone who's, and, and as fully God, we ought to really get to know Him, to fully appreciate Him and His work and honor Him in the way that He deserves. Okay, how do we see this? Well, we see that the Holy Spirit has all the qualities that God has. Firstly, He is holy as God is holy. That's an obvious one, right? He is the Holy Spirit. Right? He's fully holy. He's like God. Second thing we know is that He is eternal as God is eternal. In Hebrews 9.14, and you'll see that verse in your, in your outline. I won't read it out. It says that the Spirit is the eternal Spirit. Okay? Third thing we see is that the, the Spirit is all-knowing, right? omniscient. And especially that He knows everything that God knows. Now, this one is really amazing, right? 1 Corinthians 2 says this about the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Uh, For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. See, the Spirit knows everything that God knows. Wow, that means he must be God, right? Because if God knows everything and the Spirit knows everything that God knows, then the Spirit is God. We also know that the Spirit is everywhere, omnipresent. Right? He's everywhere at any one time, and He goes wherever He wishes and does whatever He likes. Now, there's a couple of other passages I want to show you to make it even clearer that the Spirit is God. Now, we all know the Great Commission, I think. Many of us are familiar with it. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And this is what Jesus says right, uh, to His disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Now, what's really interesting here is that when Jesus tells the disciples to baptize people into the name of God, and it's the one name, in Greek it's very clear, name is singular. Even in English it's clear, right? The one name of God has three persons. The name of the one God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 5, in the early church, there was this guy called Ananias and his wife. Sorry, this is girl Ananias and his wife. No, sorry, Ananias is a guy. Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, they decide to lie to the church about how generous they were. And then Peter says this to them. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Two verses later he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. Right? The Holy Spirit is lied to. It's the same as lying to God, because the Holy Spirit is God. Now you realize that you don't lie to objects or to, or to ideas or to forces. You lie to a person. Right? And so we see that the Spirit is not only fully God, He is a person, a personal being. We know in other places, in Ephesians 4, that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can resist a force, but you can only grieve a person. The Holy Spirit is fully God, and He is a personal being, just like the Father and the Son. And as God, the Holy Spirit, therefore, has to be known and has to be honored as God. There is no place in the Christian life for neglect of the Holy Spirit. There is no place in the Christian life for us to neglect the Holy Spirit. Now, to know and honor the Holy Spirit, though, we need to really clarify and understand what the Spirit does. Right? The work of the Holy Spirit uh, can be summed up, as I mentioned at the beginning, right? it can be summed up as uh, the one who accomplishes everything in harmony with the Father and the Son. Right? He accomplishes everything in, the, in harmony with the Father and the Son. And in the particular role that the Holy Spirit plays, He is trying to draw attention away from Himself and towards the Father and the Son, and especially the Son. He's trying to draw attention away from Himself to the Father and the Son, especially the Son. The Holy Spirit always takes a background position in the Trinity, which, when you think about it, is truly amazing. Right? He is fully God. Right, with a with a full essence and the stature and the power and the glory of eternal God, and yet for all eternity, he decides that he will take a background role to draw attention to the Father and to the Son. He's always behind the scenes and he's happy to be there. This is the eternal God. All right. Now I want to show you. There's like seven points on the piece of paper here. I'm going to major on the first one and do the other really quickly, okay? But the, main, the first one will, will really show you the Spirit's role, which is carried through in everything that He does. And let's start with the big thing, right? The salvation plan of God, and see with the Spirit's role in this. Now, when we think of the salvation plan of God, who do we think of? We think of God, the Father, it's His plan, and we think of the Son, because the salvation plan is that through the Son, we are saved, Right? So John 3.16, for, for good reason, is the most famous Christian verse in the Bible, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's clear because it's His Son that He's the Father. The Father sends the Son. It is the Father's plan and the Father's purpose in human history to save sinners through His Son. And the Son, on His part, is fulfilling the Father's mission. And to be able to fulfill His mission... He has to be the perfect obedient son to qualify him to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. So that when he dies on the cross, he is able to take our sins on himself so that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have eternal life. We know this, right? No, so where's the Holy Spirit in all this? Right? How is it that the Son is able to achieve His mission? It is only because the Holy Spirit empowers Him for His work. Two weeks ago, we learned that the, whole, that the Jesus came into the world through the conception, the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in bringing Jesus about in the womb of Mary. And yet it is Jesus who is the Savior of the world, who is Emmanuel, God, with us. Fast forward into his early adulthood where Jesus begins his ministry. And what happens as he begins his ministry? Well, we heard in the reading before, when Jesus was baptized, it started his ministry. And what happened at his baptism? When all these people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended uh, down on him in in the form of a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So this amazing scene, picture it, you're in the Jordan River, Jesus is getting baptized, he hasn't done anything yet at this point, and suddenly the, the Spirit descends on him like a dove. But why is the Spirit there? It is to mediate this booming voice from heaven to draw attention to the Son. The Father declared, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And it kicks off Jesus' ministry. A ministry which Peter summarizes in Acts. Right? In Acts, he says this about Jesus' ministry. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Why is it that, the, that Jesus could do his ministry? It's because he was anointed with power by the Holy Spirit sent from God the Father. Now go back sometime during the week and read the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe pick Luke. Okay, Luke is a good one to read. And you'll see the Holy Spirit mentioned time and time again as the force, the power behind how Jesus was able to live the perfect life. How he was able to resist the temptation of the devil in the wilderness. How he was able to perform miracles. How he was able to bear the judgment of God on the world, on the cross. How he had the power to rise from the dead. All because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there doing all these things. Not to show how awesome he is, but in order to show how awesome the son is. He's there trying to promote Jesus to show that he is the the Messiah, the Savior, the King. The Spirit is drawing attention to the son. Now Jesus himself tells us this. At the end of his life, before he dies and rises and goes back to heaven, he tells his disciples the role of the Spirit. And he says this to them. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 14, right? What's the, what's the role of the Holy Spirit? It is to glorify the Son. Just as the Spirit glorified the Son while He was on earth, so He will continue to glorify the Son when the Son leaves through the witness of the disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is like the Max Martins of our world. <clears throat> Anyone know who Max Martin is? Anyone? Not a single person here knows Max Martin. You know him, you just don't know him. Because he is the writer of the most 
top 10 hits on the Billboard charts ever. More than the Beatles, more than Michael Jackson, more than Madonna, more than Britney Spears. Right? 58 top 10 hits that you all know. Backstreet Boys, Backstreet's Back, right? Uh, Backstreet Boys, uh, all, all of their songs. Uh, I Want It That Way, NSYNC, Tearing Out My Heart. Come on, you want to sing it? No, just kidding. <laughs> Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again. Man, I wish he hadn't written that one. Uh, Taylor Swift, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Katy Perry, Raw, Dark Horse. And on and on I could go. 58 of the biggest hits that you young people know about. And I have to admit, I kind of enjoy them as well. I'm kind of on the edge where I really shouldn't really enjoy it. I'm, I'm hitting 40 next year. I shouldn't be listening to this kind of stuff, but I quite like um, these people, actually. <laughs> Max Martin, the most famous songwriter you've never heard. In 2015, at the Grammy Awards, they wanted to give him an award. And he spent less than 30 seconds on the stage. And on the stage, in that less than 30 seconds he was there, he spent his entire time thanking the producers, the co-writers, and the artists, directing glory to them. And then he got off the stage as fast as he could. Right? The Holy Spirit is like the Max Martins of our world. His role is to promote the Son, which is the Father's plan for the world. Now, this is the general principle we see uh, played out over and over again in all that the Spirit does uh, in carrying out the work of the Father and the Son. And I'm going to bring us through that in the next uh, five, five, six, five, 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 six points, just to show us that. I'll do it really quickly, right, the bare-bones version. And I would really love for you to go home and read these passages for yourself and to maybe find some books on the Holy Spirit, good ones to read. But let me go through some of these just to really drive home the point and see the work of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, right, in point B, special revelation, which is scriptures, right, the word that God gives to us to help us to know him exactly and his plans exactly. You know, the Holy Bible is written by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures, is breathed out by God. And the word breathed out here is the word spirited out, right? Breath and spirit is the same word in Hebrew and Greek. And just in case uh, we are not really that... Uh, convinced that breath and spirit are the same, 1 Peter 2, or sorry, 2 Peter 1 tells us this. Know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Right, time and time again, from the Old Testament to the New, they, they knew that they were speaking the Word of God and were told clearly there's a spirit who caused the Bible to be written. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 12, once again, you can go and read that at home on your own, tells us also that unless we have the spirit in us explaining to us or giving us understanding about the Bible, we will not actually know the thoughts of God. For the only one who knows the thoughts of God is God and his spirit, and he has to give it to us for us to be able to understand. So the Bible was caused to be written by the spirit, and the Bible is able to be understood as God's word because of the Spirit. So this Bible is like Spirit Bible, right? And you wouldn't begrudge the Spirit, or it would make sense that the Spirit will put himself as center stage of the Bible. I mean, he wrote it. But we know that the Spirit is not center stage in the Bible. 
The Bible center stage is squarely Jesus Christ, the Son. The Old Testament, as many of us know, points us forward to Jesus. God is saying all these things and doing all these things in the Old Testament to prepare us for the coming of His Son, the fulfillment of His plans. The New Testament is explaining and expanding and applying Jesus into the lives of believers. The entire Bible, which is written by the Spirit and caused to be understood by the Spirit, is all about Jesus Christ. True to form, the Holy Spirit is not trying to promote Himself. He's trying to promote Jesus to the glory of God. The same is true in evangelism. Evangelism is empowered by the Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit, no evangelism. That's pretty much what Jesus said to his disciples, right? At the end, uh, when Jesus uh, had resurrected from the dead, and before the disciples could start telling people about Jesus, he said this to them. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What is this power? He tells us later on, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea uh, and in Samaria and to the end of the world. No Holy Spirit, no evangelism, because people coming to know Jesus is an act of spiritual reception, both in the speaker of the gospel and the one who receives it and understands it and believes. And yet we know that the gospel that the Spirit empowers is about Jesus. The gospel which tells us there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which men can be saved, the name of Jesus. And so true to form, the Spirit's work is to promote Jesus Christ, even in his empowering to evangelize. Now, once people, uh, how do people respond to this gospel of, uh, uh, that, that's, been, that's, that's spoken to them? How do people grow as godly people. We're also told that it's the Spirit who causes regeneration, which is like the big word for being born again. And you know about being born again, right? Because Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about being born again. Remember that in John 3. Truly, truly, Jesus says to Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. How do we get born again to be able to receive and respond to spiritual things? The Holy Spirit. It's prophesied in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 36, that God will remove our heart of stone, our dead, sinful hearts, and put a spirit in us to make it into a heart of flesh. Why? Well, Romans 5, verse 5, and you can go home and read on that yourself, says that the love of God is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And what is the love of God in Romans? What is the love of God in the whole Bible? It is the sending of His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. He softens our hearts, regenerates it in order that we can receive His love seen in Jesus. What we also see uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Chapter 4, verse 6, 2 Corinthians. Why is God wanting to open our eyes of our hearts, right? Our spiritual eyes of our hearts. Why is he trying to do that? It's in order that we may appreciate and see the full light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Christ. Second Corinthians 4 verse 6. Why is he softening our hearts and opening our eyes 
so we can receive the full glory of God seen in Jesus Christ. And so we see that the Spirit is giving us regeneration so that we can have life in Christ and so that we can see the full glory of God in Christ. The Spirit's work in promoting the glory of God through the Son. Now, having regenerated us, He continues His work of sanctifying us, right? Making us holy. Now, you would think that holiness is like the prime work of the Holy Spirit, right? He is most equipped for the task. He's the Holy Spirit. And you would think that since He's the Holy Spirit part of God, you know, He gets the name Holy Spirit, you would think that our sanctification is to become more holy like the Holy Spirit, right? It makes sense, right? If I said to you, what do you think the Holy Spirit is trying to do in making you holy? Well, it's to make you more like Holy Spirit. But the Bible doesn't say that. What are we being made to be like? Or who are we being made to be like? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 tells us, And we all, with unveiled face, because the Holy Spirit has taken away the blindness, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one, glory, one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Right, he's opening our eyes so we can be transformed into the image of the Son, Lord Jesus. Romans 8, verse 29. Many of you are familiar with Romans 8, 29. It says the same thing, right? What is God's will? It is to predestine to be conformed to the image of His Son. Now, at the end of Ephesians 3, uh, which Marilyn read to us, which I now want you to turn to. Okay, so when you brought your Bible today, uh, it's very important to bring a Bible. I will throw up a lot of verses there sometimes, but I want you to see in the Bible for yourself. Right, Ephesians chapter three, this amazing passage, uh, which really tells us about the work of the Trinity, to show us what the Father is doing, to show us what the Son is doing, and to show us what the Spirit is doing. Right, really important passage. So please look at it. Ephesians three, verse fourteen. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, Paul is praying to God the Father because it is He who will grant this prayer. And the prayer is for the Spirit to fill us. For what purpose? In order that we may fully behold the love and the glory of Jesus Christ Himself, His Son, who is the glory, the fullness of God. Can you see that? The roles of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the Spirit's role is there to bring us to the glory of God through knowing Jesus, knowing His love, experiencing Him. Now, finally, I want to speak super briefly about this last point. Now, you would have thought that this sermon would be majorly about this point because this is the area of the biggest contention, the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I purposely leave it last, and I'm purposely going to leave it short because I want you to be able to see for yourselves, if you understand who the Spirit is and what His role is, you can't misunderstand what He's doing when it comes to this area of gifts, which is one of the things that He does do 
uh, among all the other big things that he does do. Now, the two key passages for you to read up at home is Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Right? In Ephesians 4, the Holy Spirit gives the church with teachers. In 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, he is giving individual Christians gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, right, to be able to serve other people. But why does he give these gifts? Now, when you read Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, and you read it carefully and clearly, it is so impossible to miss the purpose for why he gives the gifts. And you know what the purpose is? In Ephesians 4, why does he give the gifts of teachers to the church? It's so that the church will be built up into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. Why does he give the gifts to individual Christians in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14? It's in order to build up others so that they become more like Christ, to edify and to encourage and to declare Jesus now, how the Spirit and His gifts came to be a source of division for the church, I will never know. But how the spiritual gifts became something that Christians struggled and argued and divided over, I will never know. And how the spiritual gifts became about my spiritual expression and my spiritual experience and my spirit, all this my stuff, it just is beyond understanding how we can take what the Spirit gives for the good of others to become more like Christ has become an area to divide the church and to make more of yourself and less of others. The Spirit grieves that His gifts are being used to divide rather than to push us towards Christ and to grow Christ-likeness in ourselves and in others. Anyway, like I said, I could say a lot more about that, but we'll leave it there. Let me just draw out some implications for us to finish, okay? We've done a whirlwind tour of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, His nature and His work. And I urge you, I really do urge you to do more reading uh, and reflecting and responding. For now, let me draw out a few implications for us. Let's start with those who are neglectful, right? Who neglect the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the kind who believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Bible kind, okay? Where the Spirit has no impact uh, in any shape, way, or form in our day-to-day lives, and we are those who kind of poo-poo those spiritual people. Okay? To you first, I want to say this. Honor and worship the Holy Spirit as one who is fully God. Honor and worship the immense work that He does. There is no part of the Christian story, there is no act or plan of God, there is no work of God in which the Holy Spirit is not crucially and integrally involved. There is no experience of the Christian life in which the Holy Spirit is not acting. Right? He is the one who brought creation to being. He is the one who empowered Jesus for his ministry and, and made him to be the obedient son that he needed to be. He is the one uh, who, who gives us the Bible and helps us to understand it. He is the one who regenerates us to be able to receive the gospel. He is the one who makes us holy to become more like Jesus. He is all those things. How can he be neglected? And if you say you believe in the Holy Spirit, then do you really believe the Holy Spirit is being fully God and that you seek to want to know him and honor him and worship him as he fully deserves? 
There is no place for neglect of the Holy Spirit for the believer. Now on to the other extreme, to the obsessed. For those whom the Spirit is everything, let me say that you're to honor and worship the Spirit by making more of the Father and the Son. You're to honor and worship the Spirit by making more of the Father and the Son. He does not want to draw attention to himself. He does not want to draw attention to himself. He wants to draw it away, to give the glory to the Son and to the Father. You can honor and glorify the Spirit by understanding his role in your life. Right? He works in harmony with the purposes of the Father and the work of the Son. Right? Don't ever separate out the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son's work. Have you caught yourself doing that? You know, like you, you engage in, in spiritual things and you, you, you seek after the Holy Spirit, but it has nothing to do with the Father or the Son, right? It's, it's just some kind of external studies department, right? Some kind of adjunct ministry or... It doesn't work like that. The, the, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity are in harmony, together doing the work and the purposes of the Father through the Son, which the Spirit empowers if you ever find yourself stripping apart the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son, you know you've gone down the wrong path. And so we see, because of this, that those who are obsessed with the Spirit cause division in the work of God and cause division in the church of God. You see, so often we are confused, right? We wonder, is this from the Holy Spirit or is it not, right? Is it spiritual or is it not? Isn't it pretty easy to see whether something is from the Holy Spirit or not? Because the Bible tells us that the Spirit's work is to promote the Son to the glory of the Father. The Spirit's work is to promote the Son to the glory of the Father. So how do you know whether something's from the Spirit? Well, does it lead you to knowing, worshipping, and living for Jesus? Does it lead the world to come to know Jesus more? Does it lead the church to become more Christ-like? Does it lead you to join closer to Christ for the glory of God? That's how you know that something is from the Holy Spirit. Because the work of the Spirit is to fill us more with Christ to the glory of God. That's how you know. Now, the final point I want to make is for us to really just be blown away by the example of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's really quite amazing when you think about it. The Holy Spirit is fully God. Essence of God, power of God, the glory of God, and yet, he takes the eternal position of being in the background. I know, when you think about God, do you think about a God who takes the background? You know, right? God's awesome and almighty, right? In control. And he is. But within the Godhead, within the Trinity, there's this role, there's this person called the Holy, Holy Spirit who perpetually, eternally takes a background role and says, glory be to the Father and to the Son. Even though I'm fully God, equal, Glory to the Father and to the Son. And it speaks to me, and it should speak to us, all of us. That the, the idea of humble service to others without hope and aim for glory and recognition and praise is something that we can do and we ought to do. If it's good enough for the Holy Spirit to do this eternally, it's good enough for us as those who are serving God and serving each other to be content and even be happy with never being noticed. Now, there's nothing wrong with being noticed and encouraged and praised. 
But I think it is wrong to seek after it. Because even our great God does not do that. The Holy Spirit does not do that. But he directs us to give the glory to the Father and to the Son. May our belief in the Holy Spirit cause us to be willing and humble servants. So let's wrap this up. So where do you stand? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, where do you stand in the spectrum of nothing to everything, from neglect to obsession? Neither of those extreme positions are what we ought to be. For we've seen today, instead, that we are to worship the Holy Spirit as fully God, and yet we are to let our worship of the Spirit lead us to make more of the Father and the Son. To do that in our world, to do that in our church, and to do that in our lives, to honor the Spirit as God by letting Him lead us to the greater glory and praise of the Father through the Son. Let us pray. Our gracious, almighty, heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you call us always to pray to you. For you are the Father of the Son, you are the sender of the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you are the one sitting on the throne and it is your purposes and plans that you work, and not just within the Trinity, but through, in this, through this world and in our lives. We thank you too that you reveal to us that you intend for us to worship and honor your Son, that your purposes and plans are fulfilled in him, that he sits at your right hand in heaven, deserving of all our worship, deserving of our obedience, deserving of our trust. And we thank you also for revealing to us the work of your Holy Spirit, that he's there empowering everything that you do, empowering everything that the Son does, empowering all that is in our faith, our, our trust in Jesus, our, our growing godliness, the way that we live our lives. Everything is empowered by the Spirit. And yet you so clearly tells us that he empowers us in order that we may bring glory to the Son, which then brings glory to you. We pray this morning as we, we hear some big things, some theology, some, some things that we might not have thought about before, that we will not be lazy to, to think about these things more for ourselves, that we, we might have every desire to want to honor the, the Holy Spirit in the way that we seek after knowledge of Him, seek to appreciate Him, to be in awe of Him and to honor Him. And the more that we get to know the Spirit, help us to be convinced that He's trying to point us to you and, and your Son. And may His power be at work within us to make us more like Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name.